0: you are listening to the official podcast of Refuge, where we believe all people matter to God. You guys ready? I am so excited. So um, I, I am hoping, okay, first of all, we're going to do something. Can everyone stand up? We're going to do a little, a little, just one thing. Okay, we're going to take, take a deep breath. Ready? We're going to do it all together. Okay, one, two, three. Okay, one more. One, two, three. How many of you know that sometimes you can take a deep breath physically, but sometimes spiritually you need a deep breath? You guys know what I mean? You guys can sit down. That was it. There's like really no point to that, but, you know. But, <laughs> but um, I say that because I hope that that this word tonight, since this is our last service and I was praying about this, that you guys will get a deep breath. That it will be a, a breath of fresh air. That it will be encouraging and refreshing. Do you guys know that sometimes we get so busy and we get so um, bogged down or weighted down by, by our job, by our hashtag adulting. All the responsibilities that we have to do from our family, from our from our friends, from our from our, if you're married or you have kids, that's another, that's a whole nother issue. From society, there's these, you should be this, you should be here, you should be better than you are, you shouldn't be struggling with this by now, come on, you should be better than you are, right? You feel all that and we carry the weight in our soul, in our mind, our will, our emotions, in our physical body, we just get so bogged down. Do you guys know what I mean? Has anybody ever felt like that? Or is it just me with both hands raised? Like, I feel like that, okay? So I hope that tonight I'm going to share one name of God, one characteristic of God that I believe is the most important and that will give you a breath of fresh air. And so, um, so my, if you want to give a title to my message, I guess I thought about it. Nathan asked me, what's the, message, the title of your message? And I was like, I, have, I don't really have one. But, but, but this is what it would be. God's heart revealed. So, so here we go. Jesus... Came into the world, right? No, 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 we're not gonna go there yet. Let's back up to creation. Okay, so God, before Jesus came in the flesh as a man, God was there, right? And God has a name for when God was creator. God, as God the creator, the Jews called him they knew him when they read their Hebrew bible they don't read god they read elohim everyone say elohim. elohim so the jews knew god as elohim and then man came on the scene and then his name his name didn't change because god never changes his name got added onto so his name then became yahweh have you heard anybody heard have you guys heard of that yahweh that is lord or master okay so the jews new God, as God creator, Elohim. And actually, if you read the Bible, um, if you study this, Google this, like look it up, um, it says, and Elohim said, let there be light. And Elohim breathed the stars. That's how they read the Bible, okay? So this is the point, is that when Jesus came, he didn't call God Elohim or Yahweh. And this is why it was so hard for the Jews to accept Jesus because he called him something else. If you read the entire book of Matthew, the entire book from the beginning to the very end, there is one point at the end that he didn't call him this name I'm about to tell you, and we're going to get to that because it's really significant, but the entire book of Matthew, he called him one name. Do you guys know what it is? Father. Father. And... And this is why the Jews thought it was so, they, they didn't understand how God creator, God almighty, Elohim, Yahweh, Yahweh shalom means the Lord our peace, and he was sacred, and he was in the holy of holies, and they couldn't touch him, they couldn't be intimate with God, and then Jesus comes, and he's his father? Like, do you guys get the switch of how that's like, why the Jews hated Jesus, and why they, they said, he's blaspheming, He's lying. Like, how can he be, oh, he's special that he calls God Almighty, his father? But Jesus did it because it's an example. First of all, he had an intimate relationship with God. Jesus was God, but he came in the flesh to relate to us, to redeem us, because in, someone in the flesh had to pay the penalty of sin, right? So he had that intimacy with God as his father, and he was his son. He was, a chi- he was his child. Jesus was God. Jesus was God Almighty in the flesh, and yet he subjected himself to a child, right? To be his son. I mean, let's think about that, right? And so okay, so I'm just gonna we're gonna I could go on. So we'll so, <laughs> so um let's go to John 15, 15. I hope this verse is up there. If you guys want to follow along or mark this so you can go back later and read this for yourself. So G, this is so this is what Jesus is saying to his disciples. And this is one of my favorites because it, to me it just really reveals the heart of God, okay? He said, "I no longer call you slaves <clears throat> because the slave does not understand what his master is doing, but I have called you friends." because I have revealed to you everything from, that I heard from my father. Whoa. So Jesus is saying a slave does not know what his master is doing. A slave, you know what? Not only does he not know what his master is doing, he probably doesn't even talk to his master. Okay, when you think of a slave, you think of someone who's kind of lowly and they're probably depressed and they just take orders and they just do what they're told. That's kind of a slave, Right? they don't even talk to their master probably, or they just take orders and yes sir, yes ma'am, right? So let's um, relate this maybe to your life. Think of your job, or your schooling, your teacher. Um, But let's just use the job example, so your boss. Most of us, I would say, probably do not have a friendship or an intimacy with our boss, right? Okay, my husband actually does, he's actually friends with his boss, which is awesome and amazing because he's in favor with him and they pray together because he's a Christian. They have that, that brotherhood that, that they're both Christians and that's really awesome. But most of us don't, right? We don't know what our boss is doing. We don't know his accounts. We don't know where they're at with their finances, what the company's doing, what the business is doing. And most of us, now we're going to be honest and real here, I will raise, again, I'll be the first to admit to raise both my hands, have you ever, in your, in your job, have you ever, um, you or someone you're with, been like, oh, here, the boss is coming, here they go, pretend like you're doing something. Okay, have you ever done that, or is it just me again? Okay. So, <laughs> my point is that you don't, you're not friends with them, you're not intimate with them, and this is what Jesus is saying. He says, that's not you. You're not like that with God. You're not a slave because you don't know the slave doesn't know what the master is doing. You're a friend of God, but now there's the good news. It gets even better than a friend. You're actually better than a friend. Let's look at this verse. First John three one. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called friends of God, children of God. So you're not a slave, you're not a friend, you're a child of God. Wow, do you guys get that? The best position that you can be in before God is a child, is his child. (laughs) I think sometimes we want to be... We want to be soldiers for God, and we want to be mighty men and women of God, and we want to do great things, and we want to change the world. And you will do that because the inheritance of a of a child in the royal family, the inheritance of a child of God, there's a lot for you to do. You got God said, I, pre- I have prepared works for you before the foundation of the world that you would walk in them. He has a lot of stuff for you to do. It's not an inactive position, but it is a... Um, a, a a restful position. A child of God is at rest. They have an inheritance coming, even if they don't know it. A child in the royal family, even though they're two years old, they have an inheritance maybe they don't even know about because they won't get it until they're 18, right? And um, so, you're, so you're a child, and that is the best position you can be in. It's a privileged position. I love saying that it's privileged. There's favor, Right? 2 Corinthians 11:3 And this is really getting to the heart of this, okay? This is so powerful. Paul says this, but I am afraid that. Okay, so I just I just gave you really good news. You're children of God. You're not a slave, you're not a friend, you're a child, okay? But this is what Paul says. He says, "But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Being a child of God is simple and it's pure. And I think that sometimes, I have so many notes on this because I was like, I was just typing, but I don't need to look at those right now. Sometimes, can I just be honest with you? I've, I'm so guilty of this. We try to grow up too fast. We try to be so mature, and we try to prove something to God, and we come into his presence. God, look what I did today. God, I'm so, look what I did today. God, look, I read my Bible today. I didn't sleep with my boyfriend-girlfriend t- last night. Like, I, I didn't do drugs for a week. I didn't drink this week. Like, God, look at what I did. I'm doing really good, right? Like, we do, the, we, we have those, as my husband always says, we have those pretenses with God, and we think that he doesn't know that we, ha- we keep those up with him. Do you guys know what I mean? But, but and, I've, and I've seen people that I know that they love the Lord. I know that they know God and they love him and they know that he died for them and all that stuff. But I have seen them not be content with being his child. And they have tried to move on from that because it's too simple. Does that make sense? That sometimes that we can get, like he said... I am afraid that you're led astray in your minds from the simplicity and purity of the the devotion of Christ. And to me, that's a child, right? It's a childlike heart, it's a childlike faith, it's an innocence, it's a sweetness, it's a kindness, it's a humility, it's a dependence on God that children have, right? And that's what he's saying, just like Eve was deceived by the serpent by his craftiness, I'm afraid that you will be us astray in your mind. And that's what we need to be on guard about and not be afraid to be simple. And so the, what I was talking about, a, um, a breath of fresh air, is that when you know that you're a child of God and you, and you, and you receive that position, well, let me say this, it, takes, um, it maybe takes some effort to receive the position of being a child to receive his love because of one reason, your earthly father. You were either hurt by your earthly father, you were abandoned, so you put up walls. You got guards up. You don't receive love, right? So it's hard then to receive God's love, and you think, well, this is it. This is too good to be Even his unconditional love and his peace and his joy. I don't, like, like, the peace of God is my inheritance because he died for me and he just willingly adopted me into his family. It's too good to be true. It's too simple. So there's got to be more. And so then we, we try to um, add grace. We try to like find supplementary grace because it's not good enough. I'm not content with just God being my father and me being his child because I'm smarter than that. And I think sometimes it's pride. And I think we think we're smarter than God and we think it's too simple. But Paul was describing that relationship. And he said, don't be led astray in your mind from the simplicity and the purity of being devoted to Christ. Amen? And um, so I think it was Friday night, I was talking to Pastor Matt on the phone and we were talking about my message and um, he was praying with me and he said something and I'm gonna, I'm gonna share it. He said, he was like, you know, I think that the, the most powerful Life changing transformational thing that can that can that anyone can ever encounter is is a revelation of the love of God. There is nothing else that will change you the way that the love of God will change you, but it's a revelation. And when you get it, you will hear songs like we sing, I am a child of God, and you will be like, Oh, yes. I am, yes, thank you, Jesus. I'm not afraid to act like a child, right? But if you don't have that revelation, you're like, oh yeah, whatever, I'm a child of God, that's stupid, that doesn't even make sense, right? The other thing of getting a revelation of the love of God, and this is what I see with with our age that's and I live I feel like I lived like for years until I got this revelation is that how you know if if i were to ask you do you know you're a child of god or not the one thing that i would use to test whether you really know it or not and whether you really believe it or not is what do you do when you sin what do you do right after you sin right after you mess up do you run away from god do you try to hide or do you run into his arms like a child right When you get a revelation of the love of God, of the Father's love, the unconditional love, you will mess up. I mess up, guys, way more than I like to admit. You will mess up, and instead of running from him in shame or guilt or condemnation or fear and hiding from him, and it takes you a week of moping around and feeling crappy about yourself and living under guilt and not reading your Bible because I can't read my Bible because look what I just did. I'm so, you know, and it takes you a whole week or two weeks to finally come back to God. I've been in that cycle so many times. Have you guys ever been there? Right? (laughs) If you want to get out of that cycle, ask God to show you that he's your father. Ask him to show you how much he loves you because when you sin, immediately after that, you'll be like, uh, you'll, you'll be like First John one nine. If I confess my sins, He is faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And you run instead of running away from Him, you run to Him into His arms because you know He loves you. You know He's already forgiven you. You know that He's going to cleanse you from all unrighteousness if you confess your sins. And you run into His arms like a little child. So I have two little boys. They're four and two. Ooh, they keep me busy. Whew. Some days I'm like, Jesus, are you sure that you chose me to parent them? Because I have no idea what I'm doing. Okay? But he's like, yep, because you're my child first. I give you the grace to do it, right? (laughs) But let me say this. When my son, he's four, and he's starting to get to that age where he, um, we've asked him, you know, he'll, he'll say things that we're like, are you lying? You know, like, I'm like, I think you're lying. And he's like, no, you know. But I, I know that he is because I know I just saw him. Like, I know what he's doing. <laughs> so he's getting to that age. And you know what? When he messes up, I want him to come running to me. I want him, if he didn't come running to me and say and, and crying, or when he, even not when he messes up, when he got hurt and he wants love or he's, he's hurting emotionally, physically, whatever, if he didn't come running to me, I would be like, Oh, what's wrong? I'm so sorry. Like I would feel hurt. Why don't you think I love you? Right? Because I love you so much. Like I want him to come running to me. God wants you to go running to him. And so many times we mess up and we sin and we run away from God. And his heart is like, I'm waiting here. Run to me. I'm your father. Don't you know that I love you? I gave my I abandoned my own son on the cross so you could be my son. He abandoned his own child. We're going to get to that. You just wait. But (laughs) that's in the Bible. It's great. (laughs) But let me say this. God is the most generous being you will ever meet. He is the biggest giver. If you think you're generous, you think you love to give and serve, God is the bigger heart than you. He loves giving. And I believe that God is just waiting with his arms open wide for anybody that's willing to be like, God, I want, I need, I'm desperate, I'm, I'm lost, I'm hurting. And he's just willing, waiting and longing for you to ask him so he can just pour it out on you. But you think he's mad at you. And he's not. God was mad at Jesus Jesus said before he died, he said, Father, let this cup pass from me. And the cup that he was talking about, go read this in the end of Matthew, was God's wrath. Jesus had to drink the cup of God's wrath so you didn't have to drink it. God poured his wrath and judgment out on Jesus. He's not going to pour it out on you anymore. If he did, he would go back in his word and be a liar, right? God is not mad at you. He wants you to run to him when you mess up. He wants you because he wants to be your father. And so Jesus came to reveal this. This is God's heart. God didn't come to reveal I am God, creator, Elohim, Yahweh, shalom, Jehovah, Jireh. That's who I am. Jesus didn't call God that. He's called him father, father, father. And so many of us, we don't have that relationship with God because you've been hurt by your earthly father. You don't know what it looks like. You don't know what perfect, unconditional love looks like. None of us do, because none of our fathers were perfect, even though we've had a good, I've had a good father, but he wasn't perfect. None of them are perfect, even if they're really good, okay, right? And some of us have really bad fathers or maybe have never known your father or whatever. So we have this dysfunctional thinking about what a perfect father looks like, right? And we need to and God is so gracious and patient that He renews our mind, and He's patient with you, and He slowly shows you, "Hey, I love you, hey, I'm not mad at you. I know you messed up, but I'm your father. come to me and he's slow and he's patient and he's kind. That is what a perfect father looks like. Amen So there are of course so many characteristics we could talk about about what a good father, a perfect father looks like, but there's one that I think is really important and I've kind of touched on it a little bit, but I want to clarify it really quickly here. There is a difference between a father who disciplines and a father who punishes. There's discipline and there's punishment. They are two very different things. And this is what I'm talking about, thinking God's mad at you. There are so many times that we confuse discipline with punishment. And again, it goes back to your probably your earthly father or your experience. He punished you. He didn't discipline you because he got angry and he was, he was too harsh and you were never good enough. That's punishment. Because punishment is a penalty inflicted for a wrongdoing, for a fault, for a trespass. There needs to be a punishment paid for that mess up, right? That's punishment, A a good, perfect father, God, our father, does not punish us. He does not punish you. He disciplines you. He will discipline you. (laughs) Another word for discipline is training. So let's, I'm going to use the word training because we've been so, we don't really get discipline, we think of punishment. So I'm going to say training, okay? Literally, look it up, dictionary.com. Discipline is Training, <laughs> I'm not making this up. I Googled it. Discipline is training. <laughs> and here's a really awesome definition that I'm going to hone in on. Another definition for discipline is train, or uh, activity, exercise, or a regimen that develops or improves a skill. Wow. The Bible says that God disciplines you for your good. God trains you for your good. God develops a skill in you for your good. God, God, um, instead of using the word skill, let's use the word fruit, because the Bible talks about fruit. We have a seed of the Holy Spirit, and the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, but they don't start out full bloom. It's a seed. It has to grow. Pastor Matt always says, you don't fall in love, you grow in love. You don't don't just happen to get patience, you grow in patience. I don't happen to be gentle. I grow in gentleness. It's a seed, just like the natural world. It's a seed and it has to grow. That's why you see some Christians and they're very patient. They got got full-grown patience. (laughs) Then you see other Christians and you're like, are they even a Christian? They're so mean. Like, they're so rude. They're, they got a little seed, and it needs to grow. So, <laughs> I mean, right? Right? And, but this is, <laughs> does that make sense? And I can admit, I know, I can look at my own self and be like, I, this is a seed. This is, like, half-grown. This one's, like, full-grown. This one's, well, not full-grown. Eh, probably here. And, I mean, right? We can evaluate ourselves and, like, the fruit we're producing. That's what the fruit of the spirit is. That it produces, it grows, right? So this definition of discipline, training, is that is that God is improving your fruit. God is developing your fruit. If you don't believe me, here Hebrews 12:7, it says, This is the this is so good. I'm gonna use the word training, okay? Endure hardship as training. No one wants to do that. I feel like, gosh, you guys, Andrew and I feel like some day, some days I just want to be like, God, can I not go through training today? Like I feel like I'm in a, like I feel like I'm getting disciplined, trained, refined with work, with my kids, with my husband, with ch- church, like with everything. It's just everything. And I'm like, God, can you just not deal with me today? please can you just leave me alone like (laughs) couldn't we just be honest there are days where we're like god can I? i just need a break right but when you know let's finish reading god is treating you as his children for what children are not disciplined by their father if i didn't discipline my kids okay let me say this i love my boys i care about my boys I want them, I have so many things that I want for them. I want them to grow up and find a good wife someday. I want them to be a good man, have manners, be attractive. Like, I want them to get married and have a good wife and a good life, right? I want them to be successful. I want them to honor their father and mother when they get old enough. I want them to be kind. I want them to have friends in school. I want them to do all these things. So I train them. If I didn't want those things for them, I don't, and I didn't care what happened to them in their life, I don't care about them. I don't love them. So this is saying that God cares what happens to you in your life. He cares whether you're successful or not. He wants you to have friends. He wants you to get married. He wants you to have sex. He wants you to do all these things. He wants you to, to be successful, to be blessed, to walk in the fullness of life, right? And he, because he loves you. So because he loves you, like the verse said, he's going to train you. So God will not punish you. God will train you and refine you and per- grow that fruit in you. Improve the fruit that's already there. He improves it. He grows it. And the only way that we do that is, what does the verse say? Hebrews 12, 7. Endure hardship. The only way is we go through hard things. We think that we're going to grow fruit and have full-grown love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, blah, blah, blah. We think we're going to have full-grown fruit by, by, by nothing, right? It's endure hardship as training, endure hardship as discipline, for God is treating you as his children. And what did we say before? The best position you can be in is his child. So now you can have that mindset when you go through something hard. And now let me say this. I am not saying... God does not give you cancer. God does not give you disease. God does not give you sickness. That's from the devil in the pit of hell. That is not from God. God doesn't, God doesn't give you cancer and endure this as me disciplining training. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the hard grind of your life, things maybe that are uncomfortable for you, stuff like that, okay? We're not going to get into that theology debate of that, but I'm not saying that, okay? So if you're, if you're you know, struggling with sickness or something like that, that is not what I'm, I'm saying. God, the inheritance of being his child is healing, right? So I'm not saying that. So, so when you go through that, those hard things, now you can look at this verse and think in your mind, okay? I am not being punished. God is not punishing me. God is not mad at me. God is not disappointed in me because he loves me so much. He's the perfect father. He never gets disappointed in me. He delights in me. And you can say, I'm not thinking that way. I'm going to go on this side and I'm going to think, I'm going to endure this as training. And you can get to pull your big girl, big boy pants on, right? Andrew tells me that all the time. Sometimes I complain and stuff and Andrew would be like, Brooke, you need to put your big girl pants on and just you need, you know, and I'm like, shut up. Like, what? Time. But I'm like, yeah, you know, you're right. Okay. I'm, I'm complaining or whatever. <laughs> but, um, and you can think I'm enduring this as training because I'm his child in the kingdom of God. I'm a legitimate children. The Bible says that if you're, if you keep reading in Hebrews 12, seven through 12, at the end of there, I think it's verse 11 or 12, maybe, it says that if you are not disciplined by your father, you're not a legitimate child. You're literally not his child. So when you are training, disciplining, refining, you can take joy in that hardship because you're his child. What better place to be because someone loves you and cares about you, right? If you weren't going through anything like that and you never got disciplined, you're not loved. You're not cared about, right? I know that's a little harsh or whatever, but that's what it says. God will not let you do what you want because he cares about you. Not because he's putting rules on you and he's, it's for your good. It's for your, for your best because he cares about your future. He cares about your soul. The Bible says that Jesus is the lover of my soul, and I love that. He's the lover of my soul. He's the lover of my mind, my will, my emotions, Right? He loves everything about you. Read Psalm 139. I got a tattoo on my back. It says Psalm 139. He says that I know everything about you. Think about you. The thoughts that he thinks about you outnumber the grains of sand. You must be special, right? Do you remember what I said at the beginning that in the entire book of Matthew, Jesus called God Father? There is one time that he did not call him Father. One verse. Before I get to it, let's, let's read this. In Matthew 26, 39, Jesus, this is, this is the story. Jesus is about to get arrested, about to be flogged and crucified. Before he gets arrested, he's in the garden, he's praying. Matthew 26, 39, it says he went a little farther and bowed his face to the ground. He said, Father, if it is, not pos- if it is possible, let this cup be taken for me, yet not as I will, but what as you will. The cup was God's wrath, the penalty for sin, the punishment for sin was the cup that He was going to drink for you and me. He said, if, if "He said, Father, He wasn't. He didn't say Elohim. He said, Father, I don't want to do this. Right? If it's possible, let this be taken for me. Let someone else drink it, but yet not what I want, but what you want." Then going further, the people came to arrest him and one of the disciples pulled out a sword and defended Jesus. And they were thinking that this isn't the way our God, our Lord is supposed to go. They're defend him. And they got their sword out and they were gonna defend him. And Jesus said, put your sword away. He said, this is not the way that it's gonna go. Put your sword away. And this is what he said, Matthew 26, 53. I love this verse, you guys. Don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us and he would send them instantly. What he was doing in this intimate, terrible time in his life before he died, he was saying, don't you know my father loves me? Let me paraphrase that for you. Don't you know my father loves me? Don't you know that he would send his angels and protect me if I asked him like that? Don't you know I'm his son? I'm his favored one, I'm his I'm his blessed one. Put your sword away. Don't you know who I who I am? I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a child of God. Matthew 27, 46. Jesus gets arrested. They beat him, they flog him. He goes on the cross and they nail him to the cross. Here is the only time he did not call him father. He said. At about three o'clock, Jesus called with a loud voice. He said, did he say, my father, my father, why have you abandoned me? He said, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Wait, I thought he was just intimate with him. I thought he was just calling him his father. And And he was just telling the disciples how close they were. He said, don't you know, he would come and send his angels to protect us. And he was described, he had that intimacy with his father and now he's calling him God why have you abandoned me? Talk about the uh, most, uh, the utter betrayal. It's like, it's like so mean. It's like, God, that was so mean of you as a father. You were, you were so intimate with Jesus his whole life. Father, Father, Abba, Father, he, he would protect me. And then, and then he's abandons him. Do you guys see that? The only time he couldn't, Jesus could no longer call him father because he had abandoned him. His father had abandoned him. If you don't know, if you think that God doesn't relate to you, that Jesus doesn't relate to you about abandonment or rejection or betrayal, read this. He was betrayed like that on the cross. And do you know why he could not call him father? Because he was no longer his child, because he was carrying the weight of sin. He paid the punishment, the penalty for your sin, for my sin for the entire world. God abandoned his own son so that he could never abandon you. Romans 8, 15. Why don't you guys stand with me? We're closing here and we're gonna worship. And you know the the really awesome thing? Do you guys hear that song that was, uh, how's it go, I I am a child of God, the song that we sang? In my father's house, there's a place for me. I can't sing, but that song we sang, I didn't know on Saturday, Andrew was like, baby, you have to listen to this new song we're singing on Sunday, it's so good. And he played it for me and I was like, that's exactly what my message is about. This is so God, this is so awesome. And so I asked them to play it again. We're gonna play it again here and we're gonna worship and you don't have to do anything. You have to be his child. The most important thing that he wants from you, take everything outside of all the good works and all the reading your Bible and everything that you think you have to do, that you put on your checklist and you feel bad if you don't do, all of that aside, if you do one thing, it's being his child and knowing that he's your father and letting him love you. That is the most spiritual thing you can do don't think you're so spiritual because you read all the time and you go to church all the time and you do all this stuff. We all aren't good enough in those areas. We all fail. Think you're spiritual when you're connecting with the spiritual God, your Father, in that divine way. That is the most spiritual. When I look at someone and, I, and someone would say, Brooke, who do you think is the most spiritual, spiritually mature person? I look at someone that's like a child. That's who I would look at and say, they know God. That's spiritual. Right? That is what he wants from you tonight. That's what he wants from you every day. Romans 8, 15, it says this, for you have not received a spirit that leads you, a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father, Abba, let me translate it, Daddy, Daddy, Father. you have not received a spirit of fear, but a spirit of adoption, spirit of sonship, of daughtership, of childship, whatever each ship you want to say, you're the child of God. That is the spirit you've received. And it makes you cry, his spirit makes you cry out, Father, and your spirit, it actually, another verse says that his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Amen. If you have never if you've never um, entered into that relationship that I'm talking about, and I feel like there's a lot of people that are Christians and that know God, but they don't have this intimacy that I'm talking about. They don't know God as their father. When I say, what's your view of God? They would not say father. They would say, Lord, master, or savior or king, which he is all those things. I'm not saying he changed. He is all those things. But your intimacy, your relationship is to be a father-child relationship with him. That's what he wants. So if you've never had that and you're a Christian, you're like, I want that. I've never had that. I'm just going to pray for you guys. We're going to worship and we'll worship as long as we want, as long as people are experiencing God and we're gonna have the prayer team, people that have been praying for you, we've been praying for you guys. And if you want that, come talk to someone, come pray with someone. We'll, we're here for you, so we'll stay here as long as we need to. Cause that's what I want, that's what I want for you guys. So, so let me pray for you and then we'll worship. Father God, I thank you that you abandoned your own son so that you would never abandon me or any of us here, that you call us your child, that you love us so much. And I just pray for every single person here, including myself, God, that you would give us a deeper revelation of your love for us, of your kindness, your goodness, your gentleness, your characteristics of a perfect father. Show us what that looks like. Show us what it means that you're our perfect Father, that you love me unconditionally. What does that look like, God? I don't even feel like I know. Show us what that is. Tonight, today, right now, this week, this summer, as some of us go home and don't come back till fall, show us, God, open our spiritual eyes to know you more. Like like Paul said, my only goal is to know you. Let us bring us to that place where we just want to be near to you and close to you. I ask for that tonight, Lord. I thank you for your spirit that draws us to you. Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. Let's worship. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. For more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages for free, visit us online at wearefuge.net.